This is Transistor.fm. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. And I'm just an idiot from the internet. Follow along as we build. Transistor.fm. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Welcome back. People back in the microphone chair. Yep. Back in the microphone chair. People have been wanting you to be back. Yeah. Tired of I'm back. Tired of me talking. I'm back. I wish we could have a redo on twenty twenty so far, but mm-hmm. that's that's a longer story. Yeah. Which I will not record here. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a rough start. But again, I think a I was little bit. I think we're only six percent of the way through 2020. So you got so much time, John. Yeah, I don't I never look at a year like that. Although I read books like that now because I use a Kindle. Oh uh, so like, with the percentage. I, never, I don't I don't know what page I'm on, but I'm like, I'm twenty four percent done. <laughs> That's true. Do you think those percentages give people a baseline anxiety? I don't know. I don't I'm not too anxious by it. I got can I recommend a book right off the top? This is an old book. It's called The Timeless Way of Building. It's by Christopher Alexander. It was actually expensive. It it was $56.58 Canadian. Huh, it's probably not printed anymore, I would guess. Yeah, it, it, it's old print. Like when you get it, the you can tell, I, I think it was printed on a machine, um, like not digital. And it is fantastic. Even if you're not interested in, it's it's loosely about building, but... I have found it just so um, good for the soul. He's using like houses and towns, the places we live, as a way for us to examine kind of just like the patterns of life. And and so I'm, I'm looking at everything through this lens now. So I was just thinking, you know, it's quite popular. There's this Twitter account that gets retweeted all the time about like percentage of the year left or whatever. Right. I was just thinking, and then you said, oh yeah, in Kindle, I know how much of the book, what percentage of the book I've completed. That's an interesting pattern, both of those. And sometimes those patterns get implemented or we allow ourselves to be exposed to things like that, but we never think like, is this good for us? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, yeah, Kindle, I don't, I don't ever get really get anxious about the page or how much is left and unless it's going slowly. Mm Mm-hmm. But also with Kindle, you can toggle it so it's like it does actually have page numbers that refer to the actual paper page. So you can switch to that if you want. Oh, nice. You can also switch to how much time there is left in reading it based on how fast you read. Oh, wow. Depending on the size of the book, that is anxiety causing because it's like sometimes it's like you have 16 hours of reading left or whatever. 20 years. <laughs> uh, 20 years. I think I, I, read, I, re- I read the Harry Potter books a few years ago finally, all of them. Yeah. But in Kindle, you can, it was like free for Prime members or whatever, free for all seven books as one book. Oh, wow. Basically, you download it as one book. So you, when I started, it was like, you have 72 hours left of reading <laughs> or what? It's like, oh my. You know, there's this whole movement towards like the quantified self and like the quantified yeah. everything. And there are some things that maybe we just shouldn't quantify. Yeah, probably. Because if you're going to enjoy something, yeah. You know, it's I'm actually a big fan of short books. 
I love mm-hmm. like a book I can just grab and just read and be done in an afternoon. Uh, for me, yeah. I'd almost pay more for that. Yeah, I pref- yeah. I don't mind long books. I like shorter chapters. Oh, interesting. So you have better stopping points. Mm-hmm. So if you need, if you only have a certain amount of time to read, you can, you know, ten minutes and you're done with the chapter, and then yeah, you can just like let it go. Yeah. The, back to this book for just a sec. I think it it actually intersects with something that you and I have talked about. Uh, when you work for yourself or you work remotely, there can be a sense of uh, loneliness or Sometimes anxiety, sometimes a a kind of direction, uh, like you don't know what direction to go, or a sense of not being grounded. Mm-hmm. Is any of this making sense, or am I? <laughs> yeah. The one thing that I have found helpful for me these patterns that I I and I kind of started them by accident, but I have this one pattern where I get up and I walk to my office, which is about thirty minutes. And often I'll listen to podcasts, but I'm trying to increasingly not do that all the time and just pay attention, like be in the moment and pay attention to what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the things I notice on the way to the office, like, I don't know, like a certain type of moss on a tree. Uh, Today I noticed that it, it... it froze overnight, and so the sidewalks are really slippery, but only the new sidewalks. The old sidewalks that were made in, like, the late 1800s that are, like, more uh, gritty, you know? Yeah. They're not slippy. Huh. And it, I know this is silly. This is probably boring for people, but there's something about that mindfulness and that pattern, that tradition of walking to my office even though I could drive and it'd be, I'd be here in five minutes, that's been really helpful for me in my work life. Just having this, this feeling of, yeah, of course I'm going to walk. And then when I'm walking, I'm like kind of, it, and it, it's this, it's this, the spirit of this is hard to explain but I, I think you can probably understand what I'm saying. You know, whenever you feel in the moment or whenever you do something continuously that almost puts you in a meditative state, mm-hmm. like maybe it's running for you or yeah. cycling or swimming. Yeah. I mean, running for me, I, I rarely ever listen to anything. Mm-hmm. Like I don't usually wear headphones. I just run and just pay attention to stuff around me. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had success with actual meditating? No, I've, I haven't really tried though either. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that's because that's a big trend for founders and in Silicon Valley. I've always struggled with it, and as I was walking today, I'm like, this is way better than meditation for me. It's possible you get, yeah, it's possible you get the same benefits from it, or I get the same benefits by running. I mean, it might. I don't know. It might be the same. Yeah, the same brain effects that you get. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because in the in the Jewish and I think the Christian tradition, meditating, like that word doesn't mean sitting still. It means to repeat over and over again. Mm. So you'll like if you're meditating on something, you're like repeating a concept over and over again, or or uh, a phrase or something. It's like considering yeah. something kind of in the moment, but there's this pattern to it. When I think about walking or running or cycling or swimming, there's always this cycle. It's like 
stroke, stroke, breathe, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I, I mean, I would swim for hours, right? And it was, you were basically, all you were doing was paying attention to your stroke and your form. And, and that's a, that's a pattern. That's really all you think about. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that is kind of the benefit of meditation is that meditation often kind of anchors on the breath, which is like breathe in, breathe out. But I'm just opening people's minds to the idea that maybe there's other things like, you know, your steps, walk, 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 you're running, dunk, 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 dunk. Mm-hmm. You're uh, cycling. It's like, woo, woo, woo. You're, 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 you know, you, there's this like, yeah. and then swimming. And uh, I found that interesting. And those kinds of things, like if you leave them out of your life for too long, like if you haven't gone swimming, like Jamie, uh, my friend Jamie in Ireland, he, uh, he goes swimming. And I think if he doesn't go swimming, he's like not good. So he swims all the time. And I'm guessing that part of the attraction is just that you're in the water, you're closed off to every other kind of input because you're underwater. Yeah, I mean, yeah, almost, yeah, sound too, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've definitely felt it in the last month that I've gotten, well, I don't know, last couple of months, I've gotten out of that habit or that rhythm of working out as often and especially swimming. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I can I can certainly relate to that. And even... Even this pattern of you and I talking on this show every week and also I think it's easy. We have a Tuesday call that I think is easy for me to skip. Like, ah, do we need to talk? Nah. But there is something about the pattern of that, the continuousness of that, the rhythm of that, that all feeds into really how well we're doing I think that's just something good to keep in mind. Yeah. Like when I was depressed, the first thing my doctor told me to do was like quit drinking booze and start exercising more. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is just getting into these patterns that kind of contribute to an overall wellness. It's not, nothing happens overnight, but as you kind of engage in these things over and over again, week by week, they're healthy for you. It is, I think there is something about that of... (laughs) Again, with you and I, making sure we do connect, even if we don't feel like it or right. whatever. Yeah, I mean, I always, I never regret it, whatever we do, mm-hmm. certainly. It's, it's never like, well, that was a waste of time. It was always, something always good comes out of it. Yeah. You've never regretted it? Never, not <laughs> once. Except that one time. <laughs> no. No, but I, I think that, you know, you've like, you, so you walked to the office today, but you didn't listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. right? Or anything. anything. Yeah. Or look at your phone. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you did. But mm-hmm. I'm, I always wonder, like, what... So in Chicago, right, you got the train and the buses, mm-hmm. and you go on those things, and almost everyone is doing something, looking at their phone or whatever. Yeah. I always wonder, like, what would happen if all of a sudden they just all the phones just disappeared? Like, what would those bus rides and train rides be like? Yeah. Would people just be looking around at each other? Like, what do we do? Or would they actually talk? <laughs> or what... I. Maybe they they notice things they never notice because they're just looking at their phone the whole time. I don't. Context is important, and like when I'm driving my car, I'm not paying attention to anything. Everything is whizzing by so fast, yeah. That you're almost in a different mode. I'm not saying that people can't engage on public transit, but I can understand why that how that environment would lead to less engagement. Whereas right. if you're walking. And someone's, this happened to me today, someone's coming like way four or five blocks away and I can see him him coming towards me. And 
I know we're going to have some sort of interaction, right? Because we can see each other. To, to ignore each other as good Canadians would be, you know, <laughs> it would just be rude. And so we had this brief moment of laughing about how slippery the sidewalks were. And <laughs> it, it was literally in passing. But the environment in this case uh, contributed to that interaction. Whereas if we get on the bus, it's just, it's a, it's a bit trickier because I'm in, I, I'm already feeling constricted because I'm in this metal tube. I can't escape. Um, you know, I can't take a different path. I can't, like, I have no choices. And so I, I understand why that might lead to let, you know, to more antisocial behavior. Yeah. Yep. Which is, it's just like anything, like the activities we do matter and the context we're in matters. Uh, again, this book is just like opening me up to that idea. <laughs> like, huh. like the way we build our houses, the way we uh, organize our towns, all of these things lead to, you know, contribute to our lives. And then, you know, I've thought about walking versus driving a lot because just the difference in terms of how connected and grounded I feel is night and day or even opening myself up to being the type of person who goes into a coffee shop and talks to people. Yeah. You know, like I, it's a switch I had to flip, which was, and once I did it, that pattern kind of contributed to my overall feeling of connectedness and life and all those other things. 15 minutes in. Sorry, 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 folks. That was, I'm not sure if that was helpful or not. Tell me what you think at build your sass. <laughs> Let's get back to what people really want to hear about, which is John, what have you been working on? Uh, what have I been doing? That's a good question. Um, I have not been totally absent. I've just been, haven't been recording the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have been working on a few things behind the scenes. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, customer service and just fixing, fixing bugs. Um, I know one of the things we talked about before the holidays or early December was hoping to have some time over the holidays to like, you know, let your mind kind of wander and think about some new stuff or trying to redo some parts of the application that we've been wanting to redo. And, um, one of those was rebuilding our dashboard so that it is, well, a little bit more flexible, a little bit more mobile friendly, not really, ch not really changing it necessarily. We're not going to redesign the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be similar. Um, we're just going to update kind of the, the design library we use. Yeah. Uh, we've been using up to this point, we've been using semantic UI, which is just all kind of this all in one uh, design library. And that's both CSS and JavaScript, right? Yeah, it's CSS with a handful of JavaScript components uh, that make, you know, a few things easy to do. But it's really, it, it's nice for what it is. Uh, it's tricky to get things working well in mobile, and it also really hasn't been updated in a long time. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like falling by the wayside. It uses jQuery, which is fine. I mean, no problem with that, but it's it's just like... I don't know. We needed something a little more flexible. So uh, we used we ended up using Tailwind CSS for our marketing site, mm -hmm. which I eventually grew to like. <laughs> um, 
And so the idea was to use that for our dashboard. So I've been kind of playing around with that for the last couple of weeks and just building out a base. Like, first of all, first getting it integrated into a Rails app. I just started a new Rails app fresh just for this. Oh, wow. Just to make sure I could get Tailwind integrated easily within like the whole deployment process and the whole asset pipeline that Rails has. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we'll just take extract out what I did and, and port it over to the actual. Was there was there any hiccups in that process? There were a few. There's some good uh, tutorials online. I I forget exactly what the hiccups were, but oh, so other people have done have had to do this. You're not the first person to yeah. no, use Bootstrap no, and I mean Bootstrap and Tailwind and uh, yeah. and Rails. No, no, it's mostly like because. Um, the preferred way to do things now is with Webpack and Webpacker. Mm. Um, I've heard I've heard a, web people do not like Webpack. I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is. There's so many. But but people complain about it and say it's the worst. Is, is it the worst? I think it's people on the internet. They complain about everything. So <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know. It's not the worst. Okay. It's fine. It's not the worst. Okay. It's fine. If people have alternatives that are better, like by all means, let us know. But uh, seems fine. It. It took some getting used to. I mean, you're you're basically like configuring everything with JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Like Webpack is a is a JavaScript like asset library, but it, you're so you're like conf, you're like configuring CSS with JavaScript. It's weird. I don't know. I guess that's the way things are going. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's basically just a minimal a minimal Rails app so I could get things going. Um, use the, you know using the the templating language with with Rails and stuff like that, and just building out a basic framework for our dashboard like navigation menus the basic layout um you know some special components we use uh form styling stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, it's been nice i i've been just kind of playing around with it kind of just i'm still getting the hang of it and all the little you know different things you can do with tailwind um uh, eventually i'll end up extracting all the crazy HTML I'm writing into actual tailwind components that are you can reuse over and over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been nice. It it works great in mobile. Um I mean it's super basic right now. It doesn't it's not functional, but um there's a lot of things like you know, I got in touch or you got me connected with Adam, Adam Wathen, who's one of the authors of it. I have a few questions I can ask him about I don't know, upcoming versions of Tailwind or how to do some sort of like animation transition stuff that I think he's building into it. Oh cool. It's cool that the internet does allow us to connect with people. Right. Like when you're learning something, what what I've realized, I mean, maybe other people are different, but what I've especially learned from Adam is he reaches out all the time. Like he he messages me and other folks a lot to get their feedback on things, to ask them how they do things. Uh, he'll ask publicly on Twitter and get a bunch of responses. And that ability to get like connect with folks and solicit their ideas or get their opinions or yeah. jump on a, a tuple you know yeah thing and yeah i never know i mean i know you know adam pretty well but i, I i'm always like am i bothering these people like mm. they have a lot going on i mean adam seems busy and he's doing a lot and probably has a lot of people asking him for stuff it's like i don't want to just like i don't want him to be tech support yeah, because there's there's a community around Tailwind too, which you can I can just go and ask or Google stuff. But but when you're this is like a little bit different, I think because he's my friend and I introduced you to him, and so now you guys are friends. <laughs> yeah, right. And also, I think 
Yeah, okay. I can see how this can be tricky, but like, I don't want people I don't know just always reaching out to me and asking me constant questions. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm open to some of that. And also, I think just like anything, if you're part of the community on the web that is constantly sharing your journey and talking about what you're doing and making connections and contributing, you know, if your avatar shows up enough in my life, I eventually I'm going to be, and, and if I like you, uh, eventually I, like I'll, I'll be open to anything, you know, yeah, like, right. a guy reached out to me and I could honestly, I couldn't remember him, but he, he reached out and he said, Hey man, we, we talked at Laracon after your talk. And, and I remembered briefly kind of having the like conversation and he asked me to post something for him on product hunt, which I normally don't do, but because we'd had some sort of connection, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That, that, that's fine. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, it's been good. I think the, the main thing that I'm a little bit, I don't know, concerned about is that we, we were using some of those components within semantic UI that, that help with like, I don't know, like modals and calendars and auto completes on dropdowns and stuff like that, that uh, I'm going to have to find some alternatives for. Yeah. And that involves, you know, job, either custom JavaScript or finding a library that's just native JavaScript doesn't use uh, jQuery. So does Semantic UI have like a calendar like module or a, something? It had, a, it had a module that someone else built okay. that, you d- that used the semantic styling. Yeah. Uh, which was like a super easy drop in. And I haven't found, I haven't found an alternative that works similarly because we have to, calendar, there's a million calendar plugins, but not many of them allow you to choose the time. Because mm-hmm. we, ha- we have a calendar thing that's like Choose a date you want to publish an episode on and choose a time you want it to be published. Yeah. And the time part is just like, I mean, it's a weird UI interaction anyway. There's, I don't know, there's no great way to do it. But This was an exact conversation that Caleb Porzio and um, uh, Colburn had on their podcast, No Plans to Merge. And I think that was part of Caleb's inspiration to build Alpine was right. he wants to he wanted to create I don't think he's like the calendar parts there yet, but he was like, this is ridiculous. Like if you've ever had to make a calendar, this is nuts. I'll have to reach out to him because you actually connected me to him too. I was about to talk about that. So I I actually looked into Alpine and started using it for our new dashboard. And it seems to be I mean it's it's like kind of exactly what I've been looking for, mm-hmm. which is a JavaScript library that's not jQuery that allows you to do kind of on-page interactions in a way that it's not built around a library that's meant for single-page apps like Vue or React. It looks like Vue. It's like you actually write it like you would Vue uh, syntax, but it's meant for, you know, pages that are rendered on a server, sprinkle in some JavaScript, do things like, I don't know, showing hiding menus, doing animations. Uh, There's two-way data binding, so you can, you know, if you're typing into a form element, you can update text somewhere else. There's a lot of nice stuff like that, but it's, you know, it's every page reload, you're running JavaScript. It's not, it's not, you don't have this whole library built around this single page app where you mm-hmm. have to control the state of the page yeah. in JavaScript. So it's been really nice. I mean, I had it up and running in five minutes and was doing what I wanted to oh, do. Oh, nice. Yeah. I want to try it out because I remember like I had tried to build a little drop down thing and Adam showed me how to do it in Vue. And then you came and looked at it and said, ah, this is too heavy for a drop down. And then you rewrote it in, yeah. in um, vanilla. Yeah. I mean, it, 
I don't think you'd really want to use Alpine for that, even if it was just that. If it's just one drop down, like it's still a, li- a whole library you're loading that does a lot of other stuff. But if you're building a dashboard with a bunch of different interactions, it kind of makes sense to. So, do you think there's a world in which, because Alpine's really new, is there a world in which folks start building modules like a calendar module for Alpine, or would it be? Uh, I don't thinks i don't think i don't know maybe this that's like there's this there's because adam is tackling with tailwind he's tackling well with tailwind components which are these kind of uis that they're building that i think they're eventually going to sell so it's like if you want a dashboard ui here's three good dashboard uis or if you want a marketing page layout, here's three good places. And instead of spending a bunch of money figuring it out yourself, you just grab these and then you customize them. And that's like one layer. But it does seem like there's this other layer on top, which is interaction-based stuff, right? Where where it's like, I need a calendar. And it's not as simple as a layout. You actually, or because Tailwind has a lot of form-based stuff, but anything above that it feels like you need some extra stuff. And so I wonder if, like, are Alpine and Tailwind going to have to get married at some point and create? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I think it can be, that's, that. yeah, that's another thing. It's like, I want to find a calendar, but then I need to find a calendar that is either styled with Tailwind or I just, like, design it myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's easy enough to design it if you, if the markup's there and you can actually just customize it yourself. Mm-hmm. But the hard, the hard part is the hardest part is the actually building the calendar itself and making sure it's you know things get triggered when you put your cursor in input. The right the right dates are there for each month. Uh, you can block off dates and say you can't choose these. You can uh, there's all sorts of stuff that need that need to happen. I don't necessarily think you wouldn't write that in Alpine. I think you'd just write vanilla JavaScript and then maybe there'd be an Alpine component to where you could easily trigger that javascript you wrote mm-hmm. that's why i just like i just want to find a calendar component that's written in vanilla javascript that i can just use gotcha so that like i said there's a bunch but almost none of them have time and the ones that do are terrible Interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. weird that this is like so much of programming now is just looking for pre-built components <laughs> right because it's like i could build that on my own but it would take me a month yeah just for a calendar. I, it feels like there is a, <laughs> people are always t- asking me for like, because I'm talking about how, you know, the market is the most important thing you choose and you, everything else kind of gets based on that. And when they say, well, what's an, another good example of a good market? And I think that component type stuff is potentially a good market. Like, I don't know how much time you've spent like researching this so far, but if there was just like a killer, like, well, there probably is calendar.js. I'm sure that's a thing. But, you know, if there's a, uh, a killer JavaScript calendar component that, you know, people work on all the time and they, they've, uh, there's a tailwind option and a bootstrap option and, and you can just go and buy it for 99 bucks. To me, I would rather do that than spend too much time, you know, messing around. I think there's, I, I don't know, like th- making developers' lives easier is... Uh, yeah, it's a big, there's a big market for that, for and, sure. And especially now that 
so much of the jQuery stuff is so crusty. It's just like old. And it's like, and how many times are you searching for a solution and you end up on an old jQuery page and you're like, okay, like this just isn't going to work. And of course, if you're building your own little side project and you have no revenue, it doesn't make sense. But at our stage especially, and I can imagine at enterprise scale, it's like, okay, we just need something solid to eat at least as a starting point. And if you mm-hmm. trusted the developer behind that, I would pay for that. Because there's also the danger with like kind of free whatever stuff that you never know exactly what you're getting. Like you might start using it and be like, ah, oh, man, like they just, a bunch of this is wrong. Yeah to, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, with open source, sure. You kind of know what you're getting and that you can see the code, but I, I feel like it's hard to complain about it when it's free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and this is, I think... Which people on the internet still do, obviously. I think this is interesting, because I just got an email from Caleb, who, like, he took a year off work. I think, actually, he's in his second year now. And and he's been building these things, Livewire and Alpine, for free. Like, he's just been using kind of his time off to do this. But now he's like, okay, I need to make some money. And he's trying to figure out the way to do that. And right now, uh, he's trying out GitHub sponsorships, for example. And that, that might work. Maybe that, that is a, a good way to do it. You know, Adam, on the other hand, he's kind of having this struggle too. He's got Tailwind, which is this free open source thing. And he's like, okay, well, we've taken two years or whatever to build this, but what are we going to do to make it sustainable? And what I've been advocating for him to do is to you know, build these UI components and sell those. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the market, how the market values some of this stuff. I, I just kind of find it interesting from an intellectual point of view because we know that developers and software companies and companies that use, you know, that that <laughs> have to program stuff, we know that they pay for things. Like they're buying Adam's book, Refactoring UI. They're buying uh, what's that Rails um, that Rails gem that everyone buys, Sidekick. Yeah. So they're buying Sidekick. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example because you don't have to buy that, mm-hmm. but you can, and people do. Yeah. And he makes a lot of money on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to pay for podcast hosting either. Right. Right. And and so those those are kind of the there's these distinctions that I think are interesting. Obviously, like some things. Oh, this was the other. I had this. Uh, I was on Nathan Bashes's. Uh, well, he he writes this newsletter on kind of startup strategy. And we were talking about Statomic. And I said, it's so weird because when people think about the CMS and word and website hosting market, almost all of the value chain or the value stack gets sucked up by DigitalOcean and in our case, RunCloud. So we play we pay RunCloud to do the deployments and then we pay DigitalOcean for the hosting. But getting people to pay for the CMS, which is the part that you interact with all the time, which is the software that has been thoughtfully built and maintained and iterated on. But in in our universe, our universe, people don't value the CMS because WordPress is free and... And the only folks that have been able to make it work are the people that kind of push those two together like Webflow, right? Right, yeah. And, 
in the podcasting industry, the same thing is true, actually. It's funny, you know, GarageBand and Audacity are free. And so the podcast creation tools are people don't pay for, but then the hosting they pay for. And so what people pay for is fascinating to me. And, and what in that value stack, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it or value chain or whatever, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like there's all yeah. of these things you need to do to make something. The parts that people and companies are willing to pay for and the parts that they're not is interesting. And then the parts that suck up most of the value are interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think people have gotten so used to free software that it makes it tough. But then if you are the person building these components that you're going to sell, there is, I think the customer purchasing them has more of an expectation of support mm-hmm. and that things are going to be fixed and things are going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's also, <laughs> as the person building those, probably not worth it to support everyone until you reach a certain amount of money. So mm-hmm. with open source, you have an excuse and you're like, look, it's free. I don't have a lot of time. Anyone can contribute. Yeah. Just issue a pull request and we can do it. But if you're the one charging money for it, it's kind of up to you. Yeah. But it, it does get a lot easier because I think those guys are doing support anyway. Like the amount of times I've bugged Jack McDade for the whatever, the one ninety nine that we paid him or whatever right. is for Statomic is like... <laughs> What what I've been telling Jack to do is, I said not anyone's everyone's going to do this, but I think you should offer Statomic hosting and just make it for people that want they don't like WordPress, they want to use Statomic. Their developers want the flexibility of being able to you know edit everything themselves, but the marketing team just wants to be able to log in and yeah. edit something, and then he gets to grab some of that value stack, right? Yeah, if he wants to support it. <laughs> but he's already supporting it, is what I'm saying. But he's not supporting the hosting. That's a whole other, that's a whole other but, beast. Yeah, but how hard is it, really? Like, we, uh, we're we basically hosting. Yeah. How how, how hard of... I mean, I'm not, I'm not diminishing it, but with a two-person team and a part-time person doing customer support, I, I don't know. I think there's... Uh, yep, I don't really know. Like Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Otwell supported Forge on his own as a one person. And I've had, you know, I've had projects that solicited tons of customer support where people paid once. And I think sometimes just like imposing a different model is the answer where you say, this is, you know, Webflow costs, it's expensive. It's like... $39 a person or something. It's like, that's how much it costs. And people want to use it so badly that they're willing to... But if they'd made it open source, they'd still be supporting all those people. They just wouldn't right. be getting paid for it. Right. They just they just put a stake in the sand and said, no, we're, we are going to charge for this. And if you want to access it, you've got to pay. Right. But I think, yeah, I mean, with open source, I think that's why you end up seeing projects that are years years without an update and have uh, issues lists mm-hmm. on GitHub that are hundreds long and people are mm-hmm. like, this is still active and then they get angry. It's like, that's probably why they gave up. Yes, is because exactly. Because they don't want to support it because everyone's yelling at them to fix stuff. Yeah. And it's all free. <laughs> so, so, why, I mean, I, so, so I think here's the thing. If there is software that we like, that we like, it is beholden 
we are beholden. It is it is incumbent. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't it, know. Encouraged. Is, I don't know. It is something <laughs> on us. It is blank. What is it, folks? You you tell me on Twitter. It is blank blank upon us to support those things financially. Incumbent, but we are beholden to. I don't know because I I think the model matters. Yeah, but a lot of people create these projects without the intention of making money, and then it becomes a burden, and then they quit. I mean, there's yeah, there's not an easy way to support them either. I, I think there is a, and there's probably a middle line here where you can have something that is so foundational, like Tailwind CSS, be free, but at some point there needs to be an economic engine that runs that, and whether that's a you know, a one-time license or a yearly license or a, you know, something that, yeah. that kind of runs it. Again, sometimes you can't fight the market, which is why I'm telling my advice to Jack is like, man, it'd be great if you could figure out this part. We should, we should probably actually wind this down. We, we, yeah. we, we had, we had like so many other things to talk about, but we're, we're already hitting the, the 40, 41 I minute. Know. So yeah. Um, so updates to the dashboard are coming. It might be a while. But they are coming. I, I dig it. I, I'm I'm looking at what you're working on, and I think it's also helpful for me because I understand a little bit of the tailwind language, and so um, not just like and kind of how tailwind works. Whereas like semantic UI, I, I had to like kind of I'd never written any of it, and so it was more challenging for me to figure stuff out. So getting getting us both on something that I understand a bit better is yeah. exciting. Cool. Well, let's, uh, you might've noticed there's no ads. We, I, I kind of feel good about not having ads. So when actually. I was, when I was gone, you just fired all the, all the, uh, yeah. all the sponsors. What happened? <laughs> we haven't talked about it. You're like, Hey, what's going on here? It's like, it's like coming back to the apartment when you haven't been there for a while. What, what'd you do with the fridge? Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, I, I just, people asked and I said, I thought we talked about this though. <laughs> no, we did. I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> uh, people asked and I said, ah, I think we're just going to like not do ads for a bit uh, and see how it feels. Cause it is, it, it removes the pressure, mm-hmm. right? Like we didn't have an episode first week of January and just not having to like kill ourselves to get an episode out was nice. But we do have Patreons. Uh, A quick note about Patreons before John reads them. We've been reading out the URLs for all these names. I'd like us to stop doing that, Uh, mostly because it's just getting, it takes way too long. And so, and I don't think it's actually effective for the folks that are sponsoring. And so what I've done instead is I'm going to have all of these URLs in our show notes. So if you want to check out what the Patreons are doing, just go to the show notes, scroll down, and you'll be able to see all of their projects. Uh, I think that makes more sense than us like yeah. spelling these out. All right, John, when you're when you're ready. Yeah, thanks to all our supporters on Patreon. Um, we have Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Prady Yumna Schimbecker. By the way, I haven't not been saying his name right. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying, Prady Yumna. <clears throat> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad, good to have John back. <laughs> Noah Prale, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, 
Dan Buddha, my brother, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. And Kyle Fox. And Kyle's at getrewardful.com. He's a he's a monthly sponsor, so he gets he gets the URL. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.